what really drives me. It's about owning something, building something from nothing, just your prior experiences and getting up every day and fighting the good fight and bringing some people along for the ride, uh, providing an opportunity for them that I've been fortunate to have. And hopefully as the company grows and prospers, sharing the wealth creation that we collectively are building together. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Hello and welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. This episode is about breakfast, but different type of breakfast. We're going to be talking about the business of hospitality and breakfast with somebody who really embodies the, the nature and power of entrepreneurship. Please meet David Walsh, who currently serves as president and CEO for Peachtree Foods, Inc., based in Atlanta, Georgia. Peachtree Foods is the leading breakfast specialty company in the commercial food service and hospitality industry. David, you are uh, the definition of a serial entrepreneur. Um, and uh, I think that there's a nice uh, play on words. You could, cereal for breakfast, now you're a CEO of a breakfast company, but, but, you're, but you don't do breakfast, you, do much, you, don't, you don't do cereal, you do much more than cereal. And, uh, and uh, I'm excited to one day experience uh, the breakfast solutions that you provide. But, but, it, but really, we're talking about the entrepreneurial journey behind it and why you do what you do. So David, tell me a little bit about who you are and how do you find yourself you know, being this, you know, a multiple time CEO of a food company. Yeah, well, I mean, as we spoke earlier, uh, my background has traditionally been in, in corporate, right? I, mm-hmm. I had a relatively su- successful career in corporate America. I worked for 10 years in, in, in the power tool business with what yeah. I consider the finest company in that industry, a great <laughs> innovator, great leader of, of product development in DeWalt. And then uh, I ended up working for uh, Newell Rubbermaid after my 10 years in Black & Decker Walt, where I was introduced to the, to the commercial food service and the food and beverage business, where I had uh, CEO responsibility for the, the much-admired Rubbermaid brand in the commercial food and beverage and consumer food and beverage categories. And that was my first introduction to food and beverage. However, for me... Uh, this, the thing that I love to do is, is, is to accept the challenge of, of building something from scratch. You know, in, in corporate, you tend to inherit a company, you look after it for four or five years, two or three years, four or five years, whatever, and then you pass it on to the next person. This journey for me with, with Peachtree Foods is all about building something from scratch, something personal, something built from nothing. And uh, other than prior experience and learned skills and hard work and determination, from the, something from the ground up, which is what we've done. And I just find that so much more fulfilling uh, to build something from scratch than to inherit it, you know. And uh, the journey that we're currently on, or the current journey that I'm currently on, is, is mine. You know, I own it completely, albeit not exclusively, I own it completely. And that's what drives me, that, that challenge, that motivation to do something from nothing. And uh, I, I love, love working for myself, you know, uh, and a small team of workmates and trying to create something that can provide an opportunity for people to learn and to grow and ultimately prosper uh, as the company grows, which I had the opportunity 
to do during my corporate years. So that's what really drives me. It's about owning something, building something from nothing, just your prior experiences and getting up every day and fighting the good fight and bringing some people along for the ride, uh, providing an opportunity for them that I've been fortunate to have. And hopefully as the company grows and prospers, sharing the wealth creation that we collectively are building together. So that's it's, what it, it drives awesome. me, Michael. I, I love passion. that. And I, I know it sounds so authentic and genuine, you know, really, you know, the core of what, a, what entrepreneurship is about. It's about fighting the good fight. It is about creating, creating opportunity out of thin air and then sharing that opportunity with others, bringing them for the ride. And then, and, and, and I love that fighting the good fight. That's, that's just awesome. Yet, you know, bring me back to your introduction to the food business. Yes. And, you know, you're not coming from that industry. How, how do you perceive, how do you perceive it, you know, the first time you, you, you meet it? Well, I mean, ironically, if I knew now what I knew then, I probably would have stayed in the parenthood business because <laughs> uh, my wife and I are both foodies and we love food and we're, we're all things food. She's an awesome cook. I'm not so much, but we, we love food and we love the whole industry per se. We love participating in it. Now I'm quite enjoying working in it, but we're in a particularly narrow segment of it right now as our company. We're in the, we're in the hotel hospitality segment mm -hmm. as opposed to the commercial food service. But we sure. have plans, new product development plans and exciting plans for new products that'll segue us into the food service, commercial food service business in the next two to three years. But mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 a, it's, an in, it's a huge industry, as you can imagine, right? But it's really an industry that's not that dynamic. There hasn't been a tremendous amount of innovation in the, take, for instance, our breakfast segment. I mean, what's the last innovative thing that's hit the breakfast se segment in the commercial food service industry? The waffle was invented in, the waffle iron patent goes back to 1850-something or other. Uh, waffles have been on the breakfast buffet for 30 years in limited service and full service hotels uh, across America and indeed in, in, in Europe. And the, the innovation... The, the only real innovation after the waffles portion control and the only reason innovation that's come after that has been us. You know, we, we, we've taken a segment that's waffles and pancakes and automated the production of pancakes to the point where before COVID, it was a one-touch operation for the guest. During COVID, we developed our contactless module that we both <laughs> and now the guest just has to wave, wave for two pancakes, you know? So... Yeah. The ability for also smaller hotels that don't have a full service kitchen, like with a range hood and exhaust fans and so forth, to be able to cook fresh pancakes, either front of house or back of house, is a wonderful innovation. And it's been well received by the industry, albeit it's taking us 10 or 12 years to, to get that technology uh, accepted by the industry, if you will. You know, we're we're kind of a post-COVID, a 14-year overnight success. You know, it's a slow-moving huh. industry. These, the hospitality, the limited service hospitality segment uh, is, is, is fairly slow-moving and hasn't been terribly dynamic. But we're hoping to what's shake the, that up. What, what, where's, what, what are the bumps? You know, what's, what's sort of the pushback on, on a lot of these innovative ideas? Because it sounds, well, you're paint, the picture you're painting is that you know, it's, it's purely beneficial for any kitchen, whether they have the resources or not, to, to integrate 100%. these ideas. I mean, our, our, our patented technology is very innovative and labor-saving and hygienic and cool to touch and atmospheric. It's fun for guests to watch their pancakes being made with just the press of a button. 
it's just there's a there's there's unfortunately quite a bit of entrenched thinking in the industry, you know that. Hmm. And it goes. It, 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 I think some of it stems from a, a, not a history of innovation. A lot of the food service industry is being consolidated by massive corporations that are more about end to end delivery at the best cost than a. As a, at a best price as opposed to the best overall solution. You know, if you look at the food service industry of how food gets to the tables of restaurants and, and hotels and bars and kitchens across the U.S., there's only a handful of companies that provide that conduit. Whilst there's many companies supplying into these, what we call broadliners or food service suppliers, there's only a handful of those companies that have consolidated that industry tremendously. And uh, I, would, I would argue that because of a lack of competition, there's been a stymieing effect on innovation and technology to the point where if it doesn't fit into their model uh, and you're outside the box and it's new, you know, that they don't really have a platform in their businesses to deliver new technology and uh, innovation. So it's come through uh, consolidation and then a little bit, it, and I speak particularly now of the uh, limited service hotel segment, uh, a, a little bit of st- state thinking. It's, it's, it's just, you know, they have been doing the same thing for 30 years. And hmm. uh, if it's not broken, we're not, you know. Right, don't, don't touch what ain't broken. Correct, correct. Yeah. Now, as you're thinking through just, you know, some basic fundamental ideas, you know, uh, I, myself and I guess so many of the listeners are not coming from the from the food or hospitality business. W- what are some basic fundamental things we need to understand that consumers love? What is sort of the consumer behavior around breakfasts in hotels that you've learned? I, th- I think that's a really interesting question at least that, that I want to know the answer to. I, I can tell you, I, I tell you the, 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 the number one fundamental driver is it's free. I can tell you that. I mean, that's been that's been uh, that's been reconfirmed for a lot of these hotel operators during the COVID uh, period. When COVID hit our industry, particularly again the limited service hotel segment. Okay, when whole COVID hit that, it was an automatic shutdown. Occupancies in the hotels dropped dramatically, but and but also the ability to have people come in and work for your breakfast or work the breakfast service or clean the rooms or provide front of house service disappeared. So our industry breakfasts in, in limited service hotels disappeared for 18 months. And during that time, there was a lot of reflection, a lot of consideration from the brands as to whether or not we need to come back and offer breakfast. But I can tell you, the, the guests and the consumers voted with their feet. It was, there was a resound disappointment when people turned up to the hotel to get an apple and an orange and a yogurt yep. bar and a juice bottle in a brand bag at the front desk to say, that's your breakfast. And you can see that reflected through all the TripAdvisor ratings and all the reviews that you want to read and all the hotels and all the travelers over the last 24 months. They practically demanded the breakfast back. And the number one driver for it is, it's free. You know, you, you right. a lot of people, a lot of people are traveling with kids. A lot of uh, uh, sports teams are traveling. You know, if you're not getting a breakfast that's provided in your roommate, you're, you know, family of four or five top down to IHOP or McDonald's. 40 or 50 or 60 bucks. Well, it's included in your room rate. I mean, isn't that a wonderful right. incentive for to have a breakfast to, on offer in hotels? And, right, and 100%. I think, uh, I, and I, I have to say, though, yeah, I, I don't eat breakfast generally, uh, except when I go to hotels, because when I go to a hotel, it's free, of course. Free. Now, I, 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 it's, it's not that I don't eat breakfast. It's against my, my personal diet to eat breakfast because I practice intermittent fasting. 
Yet I make it a point that whenever I'm in the hotel, I'm going to break my fast because I can. Every, you know, you know, you know, the expression, there's no such, such a thing as a free lunch. Well, everybody loves free breakfast. So, so sure. and then of course, what's driving that is then, you know, there's competition amongst the brands to upgrade their breakfast offer, you know, sure. more hot items, more fresh items, more nutritional specific items, more variety, more on-trend things like gluten-free options or, you know, all that sort of stuff is driving competition because... Everybody has learned that the free breakfast inside limited service hotels ain't going away, which is wonderful for our business. I mean, we had a couple of sleepless nights during the deep, dark days of COVID thinking, wow, what if breakfast never comes back in these hotels? What about if these hotels just provide room and board and, you know, a voucher to have something on IHOP? But I can tell you, it, it was resounding um, uh, support at guests and consumer level for breakfast. And the number one driver for that, in my humble opinion, is the fact that it's included in sure. your room rate. You know? Now, as you're thinking through sort of your own solutions to the hospitality space and as you're growing them, what is the internal innovation cycle like for you? How do you, how do you innovate and continue to think through product development in the food space? Yeah, it's a good question. So fortunately, I, I had a f phenomenal uh, a corporate upbringing, you know, as I mentioned earlier, yep. working for Black Black and Decker to Wall and Dual Rubbermaid, phenomenal consumer brands, and that that product development ethos and that product development process and that product development bias in everything that you do. That's end user focused. That's you know looking at what end user needs are unmet and how to create a solution to deliver an unmet need. And when we look at the so our our small space. So we innovated with some automatic, a fully automated pancake machine, which as I mentioned, we introduced 12 years ago. And uh, uh, we're looking at broadening that now. So where else can we bring innovation and automation and technology to this space? And if you do a segment on what are the typical items that are eaten at breakfast, it's, it's, it's no secret that you'll find out that 40% of breakfast consists of some type of egg product. So. Yeah. If you think of, if you think about egg, what 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 has been in, innovative in 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 eggs in terms of the delivery of the egg from the pan to the plate? Practically nothing. So so we've taken some of our patented technology and see if we can we can use that or adjust that or reform that to come up with something in the egg space. And I'm pleased to say that we're very close to being able to bring something to the market that'll revolutionize the way eggs are cooked in the in the hotel space. Working Incredible. With, working with a, 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 an unmentionable leading brand in the, in the industry collaboratively to, to bring some innovation to egg product. Also, Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm personally, uh, I'm personally invested in a, in a plant-based egg solution for Sunny Side Up. So I may, I may ask to make an introduction later to this sure. awesome startup. Sure, uh, sure, But sure, it's sure. also a crazy market now. It is a crazy, crazy market. So I was just on the phone today with our blenders in the U.S., making sure that supply of egg, you know, coming back off, off the latest flu, you know, uh, issue uh, is not going to impede our ability to deliver. We're having some challenges in Europe right now um, uh, with supply of egg, particularly uh, uh, cage-free, cage barn-free uh, eggs um, in short, tight supply in Europe right now. But uh, it's a crazy, crazy world. Of course, egg price. I mean, egg, egg powder is up over 100% in cost in the last wow. 
the last two months, three months. Hmm. So all the ingredients are rising dramatically, and it's not just a Ukraine uh, Russia issue. It's 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 there's challenges throughout the world on supply chain now. Ukraine is a big food basket in the world, and that's driving, putting pressure on pricing in Europe big time. But, you know, we've got milk powder up 75%. We got egg powder up 110%. We got wheat up 35%. Eggs, are, eggs, eggs themselves are up 38, 40%. So uh, this is another reason for having to come up with innovative solutions on how better to more efficiently use ingredients. And that's what we're, we're excited to be working on right now. Now, as you're... As you're sort of working on these products, how do you how do you garner you know user feedback? You have a few users. You you have the the hotel obviously, which is sort of the customer, but then you have your end users. So it's like B two B two C. And yes. how do you get the customer feedback for the products that you're delivering if you're not necessarily meeting them at the hotel? Yeah. So so it's a good question. So it's a lot of family and friends stuff, to be honest with you, and it's a lot of small circle stuff, and it's a lot of stuff that we do. For instance. We're, we're researching right now, just to, to keep it out of the U.S. market, we're researching some American consumer behaviors uh, remotely in Japan, believe it or not, within, <laughs> just to keep so that it's no, you know, we're testing certain products, certain pieces of equipment in American hotels in Japan, uh, just so that we don't uh, expose any uh, unregistered or unpatented yet technology here in the U.S., but for developing concepts and developing flavor profiles and developing that, we, we use a, a, a broad network of family, friends, and industry people that we, we, we trust and know have a good read on things. So, yeah. So tying back to sort of your passion on creation and entrepreneurship, tie it all back for me. So sort of, you know, the David Walsh journey here and, sure. and where you're at today. How, where are you sort of on your own journey, on your own path? Yeah, I, I, you know, I would say, you know, just getting started, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a I had a great career in corporate, 25-year career in corporate, worked for phenomenal companies, achieved a, a level of success that was very fulfilling. But as I said earlier, the, I, I walked away. I stepped out of the corporate world at the age of, and... And, and and started my own company from scratch and bootstrapped right, it with Benjamin my own money, Grossman. the money that I had built wow. over corp. No external investors to start with. Uh, and then when we came across the the the, the pop cake, uh, uh, pancake technology, uh, we set up a separate company that we got some investors uh, sure. early stage. Family and friends, no institutional money, small money. And we bootstrapped it. You know, we bootstrapped the business. We bootstrapped the business in less than a million dollars. Uh, at to start with, and uh, we worked it. You know, we take. I took no salary for a year and a half. My partners took wow. no salary for a year and a half, and we because we, we wanted to retain the equity. We didn't want to put it in front of you know. So we took there was two there was two choices. Michael, to be honest with you, it was slower, more controlled growth and retain the equity, or go out and you know liquidate yourself down to a smaller percentage and be beholden to somebody. Well, how does that differ from corporate? Well, what have, what have I done? I haven't escaped anything. I've just changed, you know, from corporate to private equity or venture capital. I mean, I, we, so we took a slower route. We bootstrapped it. We used our own money. We survived. We prospered. The company's doing fine. And now we're masters of our own destiny. So that's super fulfilling, you know? That, I we don't, love we that. Don't, we don't answer to anybody. You know, we, 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 
We barely have revolving lines of credit in the business. It's ridiculous. We, we, we've been so lucky and so fortunate, but we've worked hard. We've worked and it's taken longer than it could have. But at the end of the day, we're here and we own the company and we don't have any, you know, anyone to answer to other than our customers, other than to guests that want a, an elevated experience at the breakfast table in the morning, which is a nice way to David. run your business. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation and the inspiration. I, I absolutely loved it. And, uh, and I love the mindset, fighting the good fight, master of your own destiny, Thank slower, you. but with control and yeah. controlling, you know, what is your journey and how you want it to be. And, uh, and obviously w work extremely hard to just make it because you have to work harder because you have less resources and they have to have more and you're not taking a salary for a while. And, uh, but, but really, you know, that's, I think that, that just a, not taking the salary is a metaphor for the many, many sacrifices that you need to make in choosing this path. And so yes. I think that's important to keep in mind. David, thank you very, very much. Pleasure.